Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. All right, let's go to that next where it says unstuck. Then uh, the, the, I don't experience God in church anymore. Okay, this is kind of a, a theme of the current cultural climate. This week, uh, Lisa and I went to New York. Okay, it's our first time that we were in New York. It was our 10-year anniversary. So we, thank you. It's been, we expect, I think she wrote on my card, I look forward to, what you say, 60 more? And I said, no, we'll have 80 more. You know, we'll have, so 10-year anniversary, and so we've, we've been wanting to, uh, for a long time, go to, to New York. Well, here, we did a lot of fun stuff. One of, the, one of the cool things that we did was we went to a live, filming of Jimmy Fallon, okay? If you, it's the late night show with Jimmy Fallon. So what, what's interesting, I'll put the clip online tonight if you want to see. Um, there's nothing special except you can see our faces. But anyways, you can go online and watch it. But this is how you had to get in, though. We tried to get tickets early on, and I thought we were going to be able to, but it, that, that show was booked out for a while. So this is what Lisa tells me. She said, you know what? If we get there early, there's a standby line. Okay, no one likes the standby line, but there's a standby line. So we need to get in line. I'm looking forward to sleeping in. And she said, we need to be in line by 8, which is 6 o'clock in Denver time, okay? And I'm going like, on vacation? This is disgusting. So, so I can hear her getting ready in the morning, and I'm like, I need to get up. So we get up. And then, and then we, and you can't just like throw on a hat. It's your anniversary trip. You know what I mean? So, so you got to get ready. And you get in line and I'm counting the people. I'm like counting them. And I'm going like, you stepped out of line. You're not, by the rules online, you're not allowed to get back in line. You know, if you step out, you're out. Okay. If you're out of line. So I'm counting them and I go, we're 29 and 30. We're 29 and 30. We'll be all right. Maybe. And then they, they come and pass them out. We're actually 30 and 31. I go, no, you, you know, I'm thinking you miscounted. I, because I want to get in the show, then we have to return. So after that, we have to return at 3 o'clock. About 3.15, subways took a little while. So we return, and then you got to get in line again. And and this, and this then there's, like, so much pressure. Everybody's, like, hoping that they're the ones that get in. And the guy goes, hey, if I tap you on the shoulder, there's a possibility that you're going to get on the Jimmy Fallon show. If I tap you on the shoulder, I've never wanted a man to tap me on the shoulder more in my entire life than this guy named Rob, okay? Rob's about this tall, and he's going, if I tap you on the shoulder, if I don't tap you on the shoulder, I'm sorry, you need to, so I'm telling everybody, I'm going, hey, it's our 10-year anniversary, I like really hope we get in, you know, but literally, I wrote Jimmy Fallon on Instagram, she tweeted at Jimmy Fallon, and then I wrote, I didn't tell her this, I wrote him a second time, just in case he didn't get my first message, so we're in line, and I'm like, come on, Rob, come on, and he walks by, and he goes, you, 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 and he says, you, but didn't touch me, so I went like this, you know, so then he tipped my shoulder, and I said, he touched my shoulder, but that's the possibility that we get in, then he has to call down the producer, and she goes, okay, now you got to get a wristband. If you get a wristband, you're in, okay? And she goes, but once you get in, no cell phones. If you pull out your cell phone, we'll kick you out, okay? So that moment, I'm like, turn off our cell phones, you know, turn off our cell phones. She goes, and then you got to go through a metal detector. And metal detector, take off your belt. I mean, t- don't, don't let it go off. I'm thinking, I'm not going to ruin So she puts a wristband on my wrist. I'm not kidding. I immediately take off my belt, Okay? <laughs> I'm not joking. I roll it up. I have it in my pocket, in my hand. I have everything in my hand. I'm ready to go. But I still have like 20 minutes before the metal detector, okay? (laughs) Holding my belt. 
and uh, and then we go through the metal detector, and we're in, we're in. So then, so then we get to watch it, and and as he's coming up the aisle, and he's playing this game. It's kind of political games. So I'm not gonna say what it is, but he's playing this game, and uh, and you can see us on the screen, you know, and we're like raising our hand, volunteering, and he doesn't pick us, but he picks the guy like two seats in front of me, and all this stuff. It's so fun, so fun to watch. The whole experience is really great. Let me tell you what would have killed the experience. You ready? You go if you didn't get in. No, no. I mean, I I would still actually enjoy our anniversary trip. I like my wife more than Jimmy Fallon. Okay, but I'm saying, here's what would have killed the trip. If somehow they counted up to my number and cut off Lisa, would have killed it, right? I, in fact, we talked, like, would you go without me? <laughs> no, okay? No, I would not go without you. I would not go in the show without you. No. I. I want to go without you. So we talked about this. I want to go. Because, here's why. There is something about experiencing with other people that makes the experience way better than if it were just you by yourself. You can think about this with anybody, okay? Anybody and anything almost. You go, well... Like if you listen to a new song on the radio and you start to go, man, I like this jam. This is my jam. Who is this? You know, and I just we just heard a new song by Nick Jonas. He was one of the guests on there. And I go, I like this jam. But then it's like there's a disappointment level because there's no one there with you. You're actually not able to share it with anyone. But you go, the experience was great, but I wish there was someone with me. Think about movie. I don't know if you go see movies by yourself, but listen. There are few things more depressing than seeing an excellent, now seeing a bad movie by yourself, who cares, right? You're just blowing time. But seeing an excellent movie by yourself, you go, here's what you do. You go, I got to take my friend, right? I got to bring so-and-so. I need, I'm like, for me, I get so hyped on good movies. I'm like, I got to bring the whole church. Let's all go see this movie together, right? It could be that. Maybe you experience a restaurant by yourself. You're on a break at lunch, at work, and you go into a restaurant and you taste, I don't know, some burger somewhere and you go, oh my goodness, this is the best burger I've ever, well, who are you talking to? Yourself, right? Now you're weird and you need someone to be there with you. Experience, experience was meant to be done with other people. It was actually meant to be done with other people. I think this is the way God wired us. I don't think he meant for us to experience life on our own. So if we're talking about like, Physical experiences are meant to be done with other people. Don't you think it would translate spiritual experiences too? Don't you think that it would translate that what is long-lasting, that lasts longer than your body, your spirit, that spiritual experiences are not meant to be done on a journey on your own? They're not meant to be done that way. You're not meant to just on your own all the time say, okay, it's me and you, Jesus. You know, whatever the old phrase is, I'm dating Jesus. You know, I'm not dating anybody, I'm dating Jesus, right? You're not supposed to date Jesus, by the way. But if, you're, if you are, you're like supposed to be doing life in community. You're supposed to be experiencing God in a corporate setting with other people. And when you start to experience life with other people and you experience God with other people, that's what we call the church. That's, that's what we call the church. So if you were to say, I like sharing experiences with people, 
but I want my spiritual journey to be by myself, you will stay stuck. You will stay stuck spiritually because you are never wired that way. You're not able to do that. You're not able to experience the fullness of God. So here, here's what I would like to say. Let's talk about experience for a second. Can you go to that next slide? Experience outside of community will always result in disappointment. I believe this. I believe this with the Jimmy Fallon show, and I believe this with church on Sunday night, okay? Experience outside of community will always result with disappointment. So, so here's, here's kind of the gist of everything that we're going to talk about is that for the church, for people that are here tonight, and if you don't ever go to church, what a great night to go to church where we talk about this. If you're saying, I'm, I'm interested, I'm actually really interested in the divine, okay? Or if, if you use that word and you say, I don't like the term God, I don't like the term Jesus, but I'm interested in the supernatural. What I would say to you is this, experience outside of, I, I would say here for you, Christ-centered community, the reason being, is because your community has to be grounded in something. And if Jesus rose from the dead, he probably knows what he's talking about, okay? And Christ-centered community will always result in disappointment. If you're trying to experience God outside of community, you, you'll be disappointed. This is, a, this is just a rule of life. So when it comes to church, when it comes to like the word, like talking through, preaching through the word, listening to the word of God, praying together. When it comes to worship, when it comes to singing praise and worship, yeah, maybe to you it feels old. Maybe you're like, I've heard this song before. We'll actually talk about that. And maybe for you, you're like, oh, I've heard that passage before. I've heard that story before. I don't know why I do this thing. And your expectation is so low. You, If you come in with this sort of expectation that says, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this thing. I don't know. Did you know, even if I took you to Jimmy Fallon, and you had an expectation, why am I doing this? How to get up at not 8 in the morning, which is in, in that order. But I had to get up at 8 in the morning, it's vacation, I had to do this. Did you know, if you went in the show with that expectation, I doubt you would enjoy it. I think you would actually hate the experience. You'd wonder when it's done. You'd go, I've seen him before on TV. I just watched the show tonight, right? But if you go in and you're like, I'm, I'm so pumped, which... By the way, the standby crew, they said, is their favorite crew because they've been waiting for it all day, not knowing what's going to happen. What if we were the standby crew in Denver? We're the standby crew, and we say, you know what? I've actually, I'm expecting God to do something because I'm going to have an experience of God, not outside of community. Right? We should have devotion with God, sure. But I think what we need to talk about is within the community. I'm going to experience God in this community, and I'm not going to be disappointed. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and we're going to talk about ways you're not going to be disappointed. That, to me, is how you get unstuck. Not just to me. I think that throughout church history, that's how you get unstuck, and that's what we'll talk about. We go all the way back to the Psalms. In the Psalms, which we're talking about the Psalms in this series, Unstuck. In the Psalms, in Psalm 122, okay, there's a Psalm of David where David says these words. Let's go to that Psalm real quick. David says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Okay? I rejoiced. So when someone said, hey, we're going to church, David goes, yeah, we're going to church. You know, like, like he's super pumped. David's like, I rejoiced when they said, let's go to church. There's something immediately that goes, well, things are different. Why would he 
Why would he rejoice? Well, probably because he has an expectation, right? Probably because he has an expectation and he's the standby crew. And he knows he's being invited in community into the presence of God. It's very different than just trying to do God on your own. I rejoiced. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. This psalm, by the way, a lot of commentators believe this part was happening right there. The rest of the, um, the, rest of the psalm is future tense. That he's talking about when his feet are firmly established in Jerusalem and when he's going to be able to do these things. Okay, he, So he's giving a vision for himself where he's saying, I am, no joke, he is the standby person. He is the one that is highly anticipating the word and worship in a corporate setting called church. He is not stuck. When you use a word like, I rejoiced with that, I was so excited with that, that's not a stuck word. That's an unstuck word. A stuck word is like, I, I heard the invitation and was busy. That's a stuck word. A stuck word was, I was disappointed with the way worship went. That's it. I wasn't John. John, where are you? I was like, not disappointed at all. That's a stuck word, okay? Not an unstuck word. Let's go to the next. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord. So we have music here. We have worship happening according to the statute given to Israel. We have word here, okay? So we actually have tribes traveling together. We have people traveling together to go to where God is praised and where God is talked about from his word. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David, which he's saying, and there stands God's command. This is God's place. God's the king here. And of all the places in the world, I know where my feet are planted in Jerusalem, that I'm going to go to where God's worship, and that's where God's throne is. That's where he's established. Okay, that's what it says. Let's go to the, the next and last slide for this passage. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray. This is really fascinating. He is triggered to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because of praise and the word. So many people in Denver would say, I want, I want peace. I want peace around the nation. I want peace around peace, love, and chicken grease. Let's all love each other, right? I want peace peace. We're all brothers and sisters. I want peace. But here's the thing. What throne gives you peace? You must assemble around that throne. And he's saying that's the throne of God. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. One more. For the sake of my family and friends. For the sake of my family and friends. You hear that? For the sake of my family and friends. He's not even saying, I, I, I don't know about, I don't know if it's for me right? I'm not sure if that's my jam. He's saying, hey, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you, speaking to the city. And he's speaking from a place of worship to the city, for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. You want Denver to flourish? Are you someone who shops locally? You want local things? You, do all, you, want, you want prosperity for your neighbors, those sorts of things? It flows out of Growing with God and community, conviction and mission and justice. This flows out of this. But experience outside of community, you won't be able to have this stuff. It'll be disappointment. Before you know it, you'll start to wonder if the whole Jesus thing works. And you'll turn to your own spirituality, which a lot of people have done. And by the way, 
then you'll just tailspin and you'll realize your own spirituality makes you God and you as God cannot accomplish peace in your city and your family and your friends. You can't. You can accomplish turmoil. We all know how to do that. But you can't accomplish peace. Okay? So, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about why we would experience God in a setting like this through his word and through worship. Okay? So, three reasons we'd want to experience the word. Uh, three, what experience does what experience does the word offer us in church? One, it draws you out of yourself into a bigger story, okay? It's when we talk about scripture, when we talk about the story of God, it's pulling you away from your personal, like, uh, personal story. So it's putting you into God's story, but you're, we tend to get stuck in what's going on in our world all the time. I don't know about you, but whenever I am not around other people, guess who I think about most? me okay and it's so hard by myself to start thinking about other people when we learn from the story of god we learn from what god wants to do in the world has been doing in the world it draws us out of ourselves into a much bigger story which by the way most people want to be part of a much bigger story most people do so if you're here and you know you know that feeling i feel stuck if you're honest you think about yourself way more than you think about anybody else you might despise, neglect, reject the Bible because the Bible constantly draws you out. It draws you out of yourself and into a story much larger, the story of creation, how God created everything, not because he hated you, but because he loved you. And out of the overflow of his love, he creates the world. That is totally different than any other story of creation in the history of mankind that God created out of the overflow of his love not out of a war not because he wanted to control you but because he deeply wants to share his love with other beings so he creates and then we have there's a fall that happens there's brokenness in the world and at that point we start to wonder okay well we feel that all the time and that's where we stop the story that's actually where we start to kind of like get stuck is where we go I feel the brokenness of the world and we don't actually turn to God for the answer. We turn to ourselves. We don't turn to the Bible. We turn to ourselves. But the Bible continues. And there's prophecies about the redemption of the world through this man named Jesus. And when Jesus came, he, by the way, he didn't come to condemn the world, right? He came to save the world. And he didn't come to say, look how broken you are, which is what you will do to yourself and I'll do to myself. That's called condemnation. But what he did is he comes to offer life and to heal the brokenness. And his story of resurrection is our story of resurrection. When, when, because he rose from the grave, he said, I disarmed all the principalities of darkness, all the brokenness. The biggest weapon they had is death. I disarmed them. You can have everlasting life. You don't have to um, worry about death. You can have everlasting life. And he's coming back. Okay, we talked about this in Revelation. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back to establish forever his kingdom. This is a big story. And our story is really small. You want to know my story? I was born on February 24th. And on February 24th, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I had to be raised by my family. I mean, how boring is this? I can keep going and going if you want me to, but probably not. I'd be, I, I was, I was right. And then I learned to hate vegetables at age four. What do you want me to do? Like, how, how interesting is my story? I just continue to tell you. But what I could tell you is all the brokenness in my story. 
And that, my friends, is where you get stuck if you're not doing experience with God in community is because you think, how do I fix myself? How do I fix myself? And all kinds of spirituality will reach out to you. But none of it has a story that's eternal and that's going to last. This is why we do this thing called the Bible here, okay? Number two, it is eternal and objective. It is eternal. It is eternal. The story of God, the word of God, is eternal. It's going to last forever. Meaning, what he's accomplished, what he's done, doesn't go away. The resurrection, whether you like the resurrection or not, it doesn't go away. It happened. It's an event in time. And the prophecies of what will happen, will happen. It's eternal. Because God's eternal. And when God says something, it tends to happen. And it tends to last for a really, really long time. From when he said, let there be light, I don't think light has stopped, right? Like, I think the whole thing continues to go. It's eternal. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of someone saying, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Life's bad. Uh, this is why I don't do a series on Ecclesiastes. Life's bad and it's miserable. He says, there's a whole, everything points towards this part where he says, eternity is in the heart of man. When you try to satisfy your life outside of something eternal, it'll never be satisfied. You have an eternal-shaped vacuum in your heart. And somehow the Word of God fills that because it's eternal, lasts forever, and it's objective. In a world where we say subjective, subjectivity is best. Your truth is your truth. Let your truth be your truth. This is my truth. Let your truth be your truth. Here, here's what I'd say. As tempted as I am to want to live that way most of my life, None of us could actually operate that way. You could think of evil people and you go, their truth was their truth. Well, I don't want them to. I want, I want there to be, because that's not right. You're right. There has to be a standard of what is good and right. And that is God. And this is what we learn from his word. It's objective. Okay, let's go to the third one. It is repetitive in a good way. Okay, when you go, I've heard the story before. I, I know what the Bible is. I know it's repetitive. Have you ever noticed the more you practice something, the better you become at it, right? I don't know why you would get mad at the practicing of reading scripture in, the, in church because this is how we get good at it. This is how we practice it. If we stopped and tried to do some other thing and read some other book, and do, it would be really, really hard, really hard, okay? But, the, but what I would say is it's repetitive in a good way, in a good way. It, repetition makes you better. When, the more you do your job, the better you get at your job. Hopefully, okay, for most of you. The more, um, the, the longer you stay friends with someone, the better friend you become. Repetition continues this. Now, this is the, the Bible. This is the word. Now, what I want to talk about is what experience does worship offer us, okay? What experience does worship offer in the church? Let's go to number one. There is more potential to experience the presence of God when being led there. There's more potential. When, when someone, if you're on your headset and you're trying to, don't worry, they're just saying something up to, to like help us understand this. When you're on your headset and you're trying to like, you're running and, and maybe to worship music or I don't know, Bono kind of close to worship music, right? Or Coldplay, whatever you want to say, I don't know. But you're listening and you go, I feel really, I feel really moved, right? Not just Christian music that moves you, but all kinds of music will move you. But, but you go, I feel really moved. There's, that 
doesn't have nearly the potential of someone saying this. I know where we're going. We're going into the presence of God. And I want to talk to you about how to get there. Whenever the worship is, when we're being led into a place of worship, it's, it's like going down a path and following someone. And before you know it, you start to experience way more than if you're just scrolling through different songs on YouTube. I mean, I mean, for real, when, when we were in New York, we'd never been to New York before. The, the first day there, what did we do? We, got, we did the tourist thing. We got a tour bus, right? We got on a bus. It was like a six-hour tour, but we got to get on a boat and walk around and stuff. But we got this tour. Well, here's why. I've never been to New York before, okay? I can act like I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing in New York. I feel like the streets are smelly. I don't know where to go. I may get mugged if I go there. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but but I, I'll, I'll go with someone who's been there before, right? I'll, I'll do that, and then they'll show me around, and then I'll learn how to go there on my own a little bit. But if we abandon this thing called corporate worship, these people have been there, you know. They've been praying over the service. We get up here, we pray over the service before service. But then they're they're worshiping, they're praying for you. They've been there, and they're going, "Hey, let's take a tour on Sundays, and then and then throughout the rest of the week, you go there." But then let's take another tour on Sundays, and then you go there. But if you abandon this thing, you'll be stuck. You'll be stuck because experience outside of community is always disappointing. Number two, it gives us words when we don't know what to say. I can never write a song. It'd be the worst. We sing a song that John wrote about where your spirit, your, I don't know, your spirit is there. Even when I want to leave, your spirit is there. I go, you know what? That was in here. I just didn't know how to get that out. You know, like, I don't know how. And, and guess what? You do this all the time when it's someone's birthday. What do you go get? A birthday card. And you find the right card because it has the right words in it that you want to say, and you're like underlining the words. Maybe some of you, you just copy it. You know, you go to Hallmark, and you're like writing your own cards, and then you sign it as yourself. I know. It happens. I've done it before. So if, if that's you, you're still borrowing. You're still borrowing. You know, Psalm 122 is one of the most borrowed psalms in all of church history because of the rejoicing of going to the house of the Lord. It's one of the most borrowed psalms. We actually even have record four times in the New Testament of Jesus worshiping in, through song, in, by way of song, reference to that. Because there is something so strong when we borrow words. And, we, and, and if you go, I don't like borrowing words. I want to say my own thing. Then don't ever buy an anniversary or birthday card. Don't ever do that again. You do that all the time. And it's okay. It's okay. But if you abandon this thing, experience outside of community, it's going to be very disappointing. It's going to be very, and it's not going to be rich. It's not going to feel the wealth of those words. Number three, music stirs our attention and sets our affection and sets our attention. Music does this, okay? It stirs you. It makes you think, this is why they have soundtracks to movies. And you go, I, that made me feel something. It set my attention on something. You know what? We can move this. Let's. You want to help me scoot this over a little bit? And we're going to go into a time of worship. Don't worry. That thing's built like a rock. It's not. It's going to die. It's going to fall apart. But I, what I want to show you is this. If you're here and you feel stuck when it comes to experiencing God in settings like this, you feel stuck. 
and you 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 do it on your own. You're like, I'm just gonna do this thing on my own, spiritual but not religious. It's like this, okay? This would be the person who's doing it on their own. And then when life comes, when crisis comes, they get shaken up, okay? Like shaken up, shaken up, shaken up, and it's just because they're all by themselves. So everything's bottled up. Everything you're experiencing, you're like, I'm trying to do, but I don't have a commitment to gathering and worship services. I don't have a commitment to learning about God outside of myself. It's all bottled up. It's all bottled up, okay? Life happens. It does that to you. Or you go, even if it feels like a duty, okay, even if it feels like that, I have a commitment to going, okay? This is not tithe money, by the way. I have a commitment to going. It's like depositing. It's like every time you commit to the community of God and the experience within the community of God, it's like depositing something inside you. It's like putting something inside you. You go, I can't do this on my own. I got to learn from the word in a corporate setting. I got to I gotta worship together with my friends. Okay, I can't do this on my own. It's like making deposits, okay? It's making deposits, making deposits. But then you go over here, and the person who's like, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't, I don't believe in any sort, anything that smells like religion. And you just like, life happens to you. It's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And then, I'm not going to open it. But then you open it, and like the big crisis happens. The nail in the foot happens, and it just makes a mess. And the God that you thought you worshipped doesn't work. doesn't work. Because you're not learning from his word. You're not learning from worship, and you're doing it all outside of community. It doesn't work. It just makes a mess of everything. But then, if you go over here, and you're like, the crisis happens, okay? The crisis takes place, and then you go, we'll clean it up later. And you go, look, this here, what comes out when the crisis takes place is like value. You're still broken. You still experience brokenness. But what comes out of you is all the deposits you've made out of devotion to worshiping with the community. You follow me? One's going to make a mess. Both are going to result in brokenness. But one, what's going to come out of you is so valuable and the deposit of your commitment and faithfulness. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. Let's go to our three calls of ministry. If this is you, I encourage you to step to the side for prayer, okay? Step to the side for prayer. Someone from the prayer team is going to find you. Or you can take communion in the back or you can stand and worship. Whatever you do, do not let your expectation be low. You are going to experience God. I say this in faith and I believe this. You are going to experience God because right now you would commit to him in this setting. Do you not believe that coming to church is important to your spiritual growth? If that's you, you go, I don't believe that at all. Why do I do this thing? I don't believe that. Would you just seek prayer? Would you just have someone pray for you? Say, I, that's me, and I, I haven't believed in this thing called church. Number two, do you want to experience God in this place? Say, I want to experience God. We'll do it in community. Do it with people who have actually been trained in prayer, and they're saying, I'll pray with you. We experience God together. Let's do this together. You don't have to do it on your own, because if you do it on your own, it's going to make a mess. If you don't do it on your own, you're still going to feel broken, but so much value is going to come out of your brokenness because you committed to God in the process. And number three, I think, is the most important one. Are you willing? Are you willing to believe in the God we just talked about 
and sing about. Some of you don't know this Jesus-looking God we talk about. You've been so put off by the idea of religion, which, by the way, we don't believe in man-made rituals. We believe in doing what God has established. To, because he made us, he knows what's right for us. Are you willing to believe in the God we just sang and talked about? This would be you saying, I want to I wanna walk with God. I have a relationship with the God of the Bible. I want to walk with that God. Would you seek prayer for that? So I want to pray over us. Step to the side for prayer and um, take communion, and then we'll close shortly. Lord, would you really undo us? We've wound ourselves up to think a certain way. Undo us. Make us think about you tonight. I pray the experience of your Holy Spirit would be so real. We come here to experience you, to be led by your word, to sing to you out of the abundance of our heart. You give us words to do that, Lord. May we participate now more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond.